0: I just love to be uh, in silence with others. So so that's it. (laughs) You can get your money back (laughs) if you expected something else. Of course I will say things, and will share a little and guide a meditation Uh, but uh, all of that is not as important as the stillness. All of that is not as important as experiencing this moment as it is without referring to thoughts. All of what I'm going to say has actually not much to do with what I want to share. So what is, what is this without thoughts? And who are you if you don't refer to thoughts? Who are you if you don't refer to thoughts? So if you hear that question and you don't go to the head trying to answer the question with thoughts, then you might experience a shift. And you rest right there, in that which is prior to thought. Of course, it could be possible that you feel that's not possible for me. It's impossible for me to be here without referring to thoughts. But that's also just a thought. And I guess at least you could imagine how it is, how it would be to have no thought. Even just for a split of a second. Who are you then? If you don't refer to the past, if you don't refer to the future, if you don't refer to a mental image of your body, if you don't refer to your gender, to the feelings you have right now, if you don't refer to thought, who are you then? If there is a split of a second without thought, it's not that you disappear. You are there, but what is that you? It's not that you die if you don't think about your problems. There is something there. What is that something? I don't get it, it's just a thought. I'm bored, I'm tired, I'm peaceful, it's just thoughts. I'm trying to understand what I'm saying, it's just thoughts. But who are you if you are not referring to thoughts, to memory, to projections? Something which is prior to all of that. Rest there. And then even there, if there's thoughts, interpretations of your experience right now, the inner dialogue, see if you can feel the feel being drawn to that which is prior, to that which is always at peace. That which is complete, whole, doesn't need anything. That which is experiencing your life. Boundaryless, timeless, centerless, boundless consciousness. All just words. And appreciate how your conceptual mind tries to make sense of this, trying to grasp it, trying to get it. It's just thoughts. here if you're not referring to thought. And you look and you rest in the looking. Don't try to stop thoughts. They're just another thought. Don't try to maintain a state, a state, a certain state now. It's just also thoughts. Trust silence, stillness. Trust not knowing, not understanding, trust your heart. you're aware of many things sounds, my voice sensations, feelings thoughts but that can't be you you're aware of that there's awareness of that and it comes and goes it's always different it's constant flow constant vibration it can't be you you who is always there you who is always here It can't be in the content of your experience. The content of your experience is not aware. The content is that which you are aware of. What is that awareness? What is that which is prior to any experience? Meaning, any experience you have is arising within it. And then the next, and then the next, and then the next. Day by day, year by year, life by life. But there's something which is there all the time, prior to any kind of experience. What is that? And you rest. There's nothing to do. It's already here. Of course, it's here because you hear sounds. You're aware of thoughts. Sensations are happening. You see something. Of course, awareness is here. Effortlessly. Awake always awake, always effortless. And all what I said just were thoughts, words. Inhabit that place fully. It's not a place, but inhabit that place fully. That place prior to any kind of experience which might arise. It's like making a backward step and inhabit that place. Inhabit the place from where your intention comes right now. Usually what we inhabit is the content. We project ourselves into the content, into our feelings and thoughts and memories and names and labels and projections and fears and hopes. But what is prior to that? What is looking through your eyes? What is listening through your ears? What is that which is feeling the sensations in your body? You become aware of awareness. You become conscious that you are conscious. And you inhabit that place. Not as you, not as the narrative self, but at that which is aware of the narrative self, that which is aware of your thoughts and projections and stories. And, and you are already that. So it is a discovery. It's the most simple thing. It's so close, so intimate. we oversee it. No practice is needed. You are already there. Not you as the little me, the mini-me, the narrative self, but you as you, you as I am, you as I am beingness. You know that place. The source of your love. The capacity to be aware. Yes, and then you notice again you get entangled. The voice in your head becomes louder and seems to fill up the space. That's fine. But who are you prior to that? And. That which is aware doesn't differentiate between feeling good and feeling bad. Go beyond that. Feeling good and feeling bad will come and go. Like the weather constantly changing all the time. Awakening is not about feeling good. It's being the space of being lovingly aware of feeling good and feeling bad. Make yourself free from the need to feel good, to discover the great goodness, the great okayness, a fundamental well-being which is undisturbed by how well or bad your life is going. And it's already here. <coughs> and it's available to all of us. It doesn't matter what you bring to the table. It doesn't matter how long you have meditated. It doesn't matter how much books you have read. <coughs> it doesn't matter how your relative status of mental and physical health is. It's independent from all of that. It is that which is aware of all of that. When you turn, when you become curious, Or when something responds to what I say. Or something apart from the narrative self trying to make sense of what is being said. So if something responds to this, like an intuition. An intuition which has nothing to do with words. what you discover then, there's nothing there. But what a nothing! What a gorgeous nothing! What a mind-blowing, amazing nothing! And that nothing is not different from everything This is a moment of surrender but not a surrender you have to do. Something th- surrenders through you, something which is bigger than you, you here as the little me. That, that in you which always wanted to be home, and that in you which always knew there is actually a home, that in you which always knew that it is actually possible for all of us, everyone here, to live a life without suffering. Not a life without pain, obviously, but a life without suffering. And you need to trust that voice, you need to trust that intuition. More than anything else, more than any teacher, any teaching, any path, any techniques, You need to trust that intuition, non-conceptually. Is there stillness here? Bathe in that stillness with your whole body, with your whole being. A stillness which is inside, outside. There's nothing to do. There's nothing to understand. Let yourself be meditated. Listen to that call in your heart. we can really appreciate that we are doing this gesture together as one heart, as one heart as one consciousness trying to become conscious about itself and not only in this room, there's thousands and thousands of people right now with us in silent prayer in the presence of the divine. Here you are never alone. We are always together here. Thousands and thousands of people who right now love you. More than you can imagine, more than you love yourself. And in a gentle way insist on brushing against unbound consciousness. Yes, your conceptual mind will try to seduce you. will come up with suggestions that there's maybe a better future or that there was a horrible past. But insist on being here in this moment where you have everything you need. There's no problem to solve. There's nothing being asked of you. What you're seeking, what you're longing for, what you're yearning for, can't be found in any thought. completion, the wholeness, the satisfaction which you're longing for, for, or the longing for the water of life which will still your thirst is not found in thoughts, not even in the most spiritual thoughts, not the most divine thoughts the most divine words it's not there Unhook from thinking for a split of a second. And then you just pause. What is there then if I don't refer to thoughts? Awakening, liberation, enlightenment are not thoughts. You can't figure it out. You can't do anything to get there, because you are already it. So I'm not talking about something amazingly kind of kundalini awakening, one with everything, bliss or something like that. It's very ordinary. It's very modest. It's nothing special, but it's the end of seeking. If there seems to be something which kind of sabotage now for you to be in peace, it's just a thought. unhook from that thought. It could be that you're afraid, that there's some fear of really letting go. That's a good sign. kind of shrinking. Now you notice that something is holding you back. Something in you still tries to figure it out or tries to get something or tries to go somewhere. That's a good sign. So I guess that was the meditation. So what we just uh, explored together is called natural meditation or Shikantatsa just sitting in the Japanese tradition or uh, no meditation or effortless meditation in the Dzogchen tradition of Tibetan Buddhism and uh, that's what I would like to explore with you the next uh, few months hopefully until Christmas. A practice of natural meditation or effortless meditation. And um, I, I felt it was really beautiful how even if I there was not this moment in our exploration now where I said so now the meditation starts. It was really like a natural a natural flow and a beautiful silence, a field of silence in the room. Yeah. Completely effortless. And maybe some of you even didn't think about oh meditation, now I need to do something, or yeah, so that is uh, natural meditation. Just sitting, <coughs> doing nothing, exploring the possibility of Not doing anything, practicing, not practicing, which is a different thing than spacing out. The image here in the Tibetan tradition to this kind of meditation has to to make like a difference to uh, meditation where you are supposed to do something, Mm. where you where you apply a technique, whatever the technique is, you know, bring your attention to the breath, uh, and so on. So uh, these these are valuable uh, practices, provisional practices, and we learn them a lot in the Tibetan tradition. Uh, so here, this is very different. It's a practice of no technique, and. The, the image being used in the Tibetan tradition, if you have a glass of water um, and there's mud in the water, and then you uh, shake the glass and the water becomes muddy, so that is symbolized, so the water is, the clarity of the water is symbolizing Buddha nature or unbound consciousness, unconditioned consciousness. Rikpa in the Tibetan language, or the nature of mind. And the mat represents the distortion of that, that which is going on in our mind. Uh, and since we identify with these distortions, yeah, the distortions of thoughts, feelings, projections, memories, names, judgments, so we, through these distortions we, we seem to disconnect from the clarity of the water. And uh, there's two ways to work with that in the Tibetan tradition. One is a gradual path. So you apply techniques to make the mud settle. Which is Because you can't come to peace through an unpeaceful method. You can't come to silence through noise. So if I would kind of apply a technique to, let's imagine there's mud in this, I apply a technique to Whatever the technique is, how, how, however gentle the technique is, however sacred the technique is, it's, it will still just keep the mud in the water. Yeah? And it seems that this part is for many part of the journey. Maybe we can't avoid it, to try, yeah and to get disenchanted by all the techniques of self-improvement. I mean, I think around by 40 you should have doubts (laughs) in all techniques of self-improvement. And if you don't give up at 50, (laughs) next life. Next life. So it seems that it's... It's a necessary part of fixing, controlling, trying to get better, trying to feel better, you know, trying to become a better person, trying to become more compassionate, having less anger, and so on. So fixing, controlling, manipulation, manipu- uh, uh, meditation, which tries to manipulate your experience. So now. It, in the practice of natural meditation, we do a very reasonable thing. We don't do anything. And what happens is that the mud in the water settles down. And the clarity of the water, which was always there, it was just temporarily covered, And that's why it was difficult to connect with. It's possible to connect with that also, while the water is muddy, definitely. But here in the practice of natural meditation, we make that recognition of the clarity of the water more possible through the practice of Non-meditation, effortless meditation, just sitting, shikantaza. So the practice of natural meditation is um, is so simple you almost can't do it uh, no. at <laughs> all. Yeah, that's also true. <laughs> yeah, but that's it's almost impossible not to do it yeah? you can't do it is also true but it's impossible it's almost impossible not to do it because there's nothing to do so now this freaks some people out yeah? or some people let's say parts of you freak out by that particular if you have invested a lot into training and particular if you actually had some results in your training so if you if a part of you completely rejects this idea of non-meditation or effortless meditation then I would say, yeah, start with a simple technique. Give the doer in you, the one who has, who, who has not and will not give up the doing project, give that person or that aspect of you, that part of you, something to do. Like, just do a gentle breathing meditation. And we can look at that. At another evening, different ways to stabilize the mind with the breath. So that's fine. Or if you like, if you under the pressure of, uh, you know, saying some mantras or you know doing some prayers or you know something like that, uh, just just do it. And but then add a bit of exploration of not doing anything. What does it mean not to do anything? What does it mean not to, not to try to add to what is happening and also not to try to take away anything from what is happening? What does that mean? How does that feel what has, What is it what has to happen in you for this surrender to the present moment? What has to happen in you so that the yes of the great okayness can really come through you? That which you think you are, the narrative self, will resist this process of surrendering. That which we identified with, the narrative self with its embodied contraction in your energy field, will resist this process. It will try to seduce you. It will insist on understanding something, getting something from this, getting something from the meditation, trying to get somewhere through your meditation. But there is also that other you, the true you. which responds to this message, which responds to this invitation. So the big challenge here in the practice of meditation is our need to know and our need to do. Natural meditation is based very much, and I would say this is the most important orientation, No, may, not, not maybe the most important, but one of the important orientation in this practice is an unshakable trust that you can wake up in this life. You, not Tibetans, not some special people, not the ones in retreat, you, in the circumstances of your life, how they are right now, without anything needing to change. It is an unshakable trust in your own natural capacity to just love pure love natural love effort effortless love this needs to be there that trust and nobody can give it to you it's also not found in retreats or in other places or It's, it's here. It's, it's, it's who you are. So in the Tibetan tradition, that, that is called Buddha nature, the capacity, this capacity. And we can approach this uh, intellectually. So there's studies and books in the Tibetan tradition around Buddha nature and teachings. Yeah, but um, they are all just pointers to something which is undescribable, ungraspable. Mm. So the, the the other challenge here is to. I mean, the words undescribable, ungraspable. They can, they can be understood. Yeah. So. You could say, Yeah, I know Buddha nature is ungraspable, undescribable. You can read it in all the Prajnaparamita sutras. It's repeated again and again and again and again. Prajnaparamita, the perfection of wisdom, the recognition of this, is ungraspable, it's undescribable, it's beyond the conceptual mind. But then, still, after that, saying that, the voice in you says, Yeah, but what is it? And how can I get it? expecting uh, an answer on the conceptual level. So this knowing of your own goodness, of your own capacity to love everything, is non-conceptual. And the message in the Tibetan tradition is, it is already here, available in this moment. And it's not more available in one year or in two years or when you have read more books or you have understood a little bit more conceptually what Buddha nature is. It's so difficult to give up the refuge into thoughts. Of course, not always, yeah, because there is some healthy aspect of being able to plan and think things through. It's not that thoughts are our enemies or something. But this is beyond thoughts. So th- this trust, this trust into your uncorruptible, undestructible, untouchable <coughs> capacity to love everything, essence love, unconditioned love, that's what natural meditation <coughs> is based upon, on that view. So we have a break soon. But one thing, I think the most important orientation for you waking up in this lifetime, and here waking up, I'm not talking about the vision of full complete enlightenment as in the Tibetan tradition, but I'm talking about the many other shifts of liberation which are being described in the path model in the Tibetan tradition. So that's what I mean with waking up. There's different turning points, shifts, being described on this path. So that's what I mean with waking up. So this the most important ori- orientation here to fertilize that movement of waking up is your intention to do so. That waking up, liberating yourself from suffering, that that is the single most important thing in your life. That that is your priority. 100% And of course, for that, for that determination to be free, this strong determination to be free, to establish yourself in you, you need to have trust in your natural capacity to do so. And probably what also helps is to have a bit of an idea of the techniques, of the methods and to be inspired by people who have done steps and here again i don't mean necessarily someone who has is embodying our potential completely <coughs> but other people who have done these shifts so that you see oh, this is really possible, it's a possibility. This is not just like a fairy tale. It's not just something which happened 500 years ago in Tibet or something. No, it's happening now, everywhere. There's much more awakened people than we we know about. They are not all sitting somewhere and teach. They're just doing their jobs, but they are free and they are experiencing fundamental well-being, no matter what is happening in their life. And that is available to you. So that doesn't mean, uh, so to to make that the, the most important thing, Really, to prioritize. Um, that doesn't mean that you ha- that we give up our jobs and our relationships. We just give up the idea that anything there will make me complete. That any of any other project in my life, whatever, is bound to fail. Everything which you build up will be destroyed. Every relationship ends in separation. And actually, while it is happening, it never can give you that which your heart truly belo- uh, 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 yearns for. Nothing. That is called renunciation, disorientation. So instead of using the other projects in our life for like trying to get somewhere, trying to get to satisfaction, trying to get to happiness, we ask ourselves, how can the life conditions I am, I, I am in, my job, my relationships, my kids. How do they fertilize and facilitate my my awakening? What are they showing me? Where you no, know, our relationships, what what they do? They show us where we are still stuck, where we are still attached, where we are still on the trip of, I want things to go my way. And your partner, your kids, your work, is constantly showing you that places. And that's very important. So that our awakening goes in wider and wider and wider circles.